0: How are we? We're hanging in there. Good? We're good. Eh, how's everyone's weeks? Yeah? Good? Tight? Four-day oh, week. Four-day week. Cramming it all in. So the other day we went for a drive um, and we we're, we're, were coming from South City, I believe, and we're on 280 going north. And I think we had to, to get off for some reason and then i get back on 280 and as we got on, I looked over to the left, left side on Bernal Hill and saw the, um, that massive sign, the dream sign. Has everyone seen that? And it's like this huge shimmering dream sign. And so I'm driving, I'm like, "Babe, look at this, this is so cool. She's like, you haven't seen that? It's been there for like months. And I was seriously, I was like, no, 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 like I drive all the time, I drive here all the time, I never see it. She's like, no, it's legitimately like been here all the time. And so I started to research and sure enough, it was put up in September, go figure. So I'm completely oblivious when I drive, so stay away from me, that's one thing. <laughs> but it was interesting because like, the more I read about it, it was actually really cool, the, the artist's name, her name is Ana Teresa Fernandez, um, and she is a Mexican immigrant. And apparently, she's been trying to get this sign up for quite some time and actually got the approval to go ahead and put it up um, back on September 22nd. So you could actually see it going northbound on 101 or on 280. It's over on Bernal Hill. And it's these block letters that are all in caps that say DREAM. They're 12 feet high, each of these letters. So it's not just something tiny. So like, I don't know how I missed it. <laughs> 12 feet high, and then on the letters there are all these like little, round, probably like silver dollar-sized aluminum bits, I don't know if that's what you call it. And so they like reflect and, <laughs> and shimmer in the wind. So it's like all like mirror-y looking, right? It's really cool. But I love what the artist actually said about this in her inspiration. She said, this is a time when we're being asked who is allowed to fulfill their dreams. And I love it that this is like a door map for people coming back into the city, that they see these, this massive word that says dream on the hill. And it was really cool. Um, the more I read about it, I actually found out that it's going to serve as a signpost as well because right behind there is the Martin Luther King Jr. School. It's like the elementary school or middle school. So like, how fitting to put this big sign of dream with Martin Luther King Jr. School right behind it, and apparently they've, they've built an entire curriculum around the arts and creativity and music. So I love it, seeing that there's this school with this massive sign that says Dream on it, right? And it's going to be here for at least two years. So everyone go out today and drive out and make sure or take an Uber, have them turn around somewhere off 280, maybe Almany, and then you can come back around and you get to see the Dream sign. What was interesting is, like, it's been here since, since September, Right? We are in January. I've driven by there literally like hundreds of times, and I've never seen it. And then all of a sudden, took one different turn, and all of a sudden this massive sign magically appeared to me. And I saw it, right? It's interesting because right? I feel like I was thinking about it, and I'm like, you know what, that's a lot like how we read Scripture. We can read scripture and we see it one way and we're so used to it. Right? We're in our car and we're passing by this sign. We're reading scripture and we always read it and we, oh, I know that story. I know, exactly. Oh, it's a great story. I love it. I've heard it a million times. It's about David, right? David, we've preached about David a million times. Me and your rooms joke. But you get so used to it and then all of a sudden, maybe all it takes is like a little change in perspective. And then you could see it completely different. Just like me with this sign, all it took was getting on the highway at a different location. And then all of a sudden I get to see the beauty of this sign that I've never experienced before. And so the scripture that I was reading this week, I felt like it was the exact same. Because even before reading it, I knew where I was going. I knew the story behind it. I was like, let's get into it ready to get into the story, but then God all of a sudden highlighted something, and I saw it like I saw it for the first time. I saw it like I just saw this 12-foot dream sign on the side of a highway shimmering, looking me in the face as I'm driving. I felt so important, family, that we ask God for eyes to see things like this, that we read Scripture contextually so we could understand what it meant back then as well. What did it mean for the people that would have been reading it? What was really going on? So what I want to do today is I want to take that approach as we open the Word today. Is that cool? If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, we're going to go to verse 35. We're just going to get to the good stuff. And on some of your Bibles, it might have the heading, Jesus tells the parable, or oh, excuse me, I jumped back. It's going to say, Jesus calms the storm. Familiar, right? Let's start reading on verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Shh! No, he said, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey this man. Who is this? I knew he was special, but something's going on. Something's different, right? What stands out to you about that scripture, though, those six verses? Is it the storm? Is it the faith? Is it the fact that Jesus was sleeping In the stern of a boat when there is a storm? How about this? I want you to just focus on the first line. That day when evening came, he says to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Let us go to the other side. Not a vegetarian. It's so easy, right, that we read that? (laughs) And we just think Jesus wants to get to the other side. But there's actually a way deeper meaning to this. And I think if we just breeze through Scripture, we won't understand really the weight behind Jesus telling his disciples, let's go to the other side. It's not just for what you're going to experience. It's not because of a storm, although he's God and he knew that there's a storm coming. Let's put this into perspective if we can, okay? Just for a moment. Natural obstacles. Sea of Galilee. It's a lake, kind of, but it's massive. 13, it's like 13 miles long, eight miles wide. Surrounded by hills, completely surrounded by hills, right? 600 feet below sea level. This is actually the second lowest freshwater lake in the world. Second lowest lake in the world behind the Dead Sea. That kind of gives you an idea of what this this setting looks like. This is a massive body of water completely surrounded by hills, right? Completely surrounded. And then what happens is in these hills, there's these little breaking points that wind can just come through, and it's like a wind tunnel. And of course, the, the River Jordan runs through this area. But what you have is you also have Mount Hermon off to the side, which is huge. Some referred to it as Mount Sinai. But Mount Hermon is massive, snow-capped, and you have the extreme cold from the top of that mountain, right? You have the extreme cold from the top of that mountain coming down. You have the warm lake water. Combining the two, that's where these gusts of wind build up. Storms get crazy, Like it was common for waves to get as high as 10 to 12 feet on the Sea of Galilee. Historians actually documented that waves ranged, even they got as high as 20 feet. That's massive. That's really huge. And then there's other theologians that have even written and done all this research. And they said the Sea of Galilee was actually known to completely swallow entire ships. Okay, so that's kind of a big deal. Preaching all day, get in the boat, let's go to the other side. But you're like, yeah, but they're fishermen, right? Used to it. Let's bring in the superstitious element. So back in the day, people would have looked at this massive body water and seen it as literally as the abyss. There's folklore around it that there's actually demons lurking in the deeps of the Sea of Galilee. Throw that into the mix. And then on top of that, a lot of people actually believe that the Sea of Galilee was a manifestation of the realm of death. So they thought that all of this is going on and then not to mention, let's add on top of it, we see in Job, Psalms, and in Isaiah, that this is believed to where the sea creature Leviathan made its home. So you have all these different elements you got the natural element, then you have the, like, the supernatural stuff, the superstitious. But even then, it wasn't all. What did they see? What did these disciples see that was on the eastern banks of the Sea of Galilee that they did not want to leave the western side and go to this other side? See, back in biblical times, Jewish people altogether completely avoided the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee it was less populated, but that really wasn't the reason why. It wasn't who wasn't populating it, it was who was populating it. See, that was the land of the Gentiles, anyone that was non-Jew. They all resided on the other side, so of course, the people of Israel did not want to go to that side. They're like, we're not gonna go to the eastern side. I don't want to surround myself with pagans. I don't want to be around people that are unclean. I don't know these people. They don't believe the same things I do. Why would I want to go to that other side? It was so much deeper. And then on top of that, a lot of believers even at the time, they believed that the devil like himself had a dwelling on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. Imagine all these stories and the stuff that's built up. So people were afraid of death to, you know, to go to the eastern side. That's been a little bit of context for us it's no longer just jumping in a boat and, hey guys, let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, right? There's all these different, different elements that are a part of this. I guess it's safe to say it's a bit unsettling anyways, right? Unsettling and for the disciples it would make no sense. Why would you have us go over here? Like you just finished preaching about all the parables in the kingdom of heaven. We're seeing people follow you we're seeing people accept your teaching. Like, you're taking us from revival to the unknown. Why would that be? Why would you move us from something that you're doing over here to the other side? So, my question, church, for you this morning what's the other side for you? What is the other side? in your life. It's a place of discomfort, yet opportunity. The other side for all of us, it completely resides outside of our comfort zone. It exists outside of ours and other people's religious boundaries. I did just say that. The other side completely resides outside of our religious boundaries, right? And back then, even for the disciples, see, we understand what they saw, but the genuine truth, what was was on the other side was an unreached culture that was ready to hear the gospel, the good news. These Gentiles, but they were a people that were just waiting to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They were the ones that inhabited that land. So I wonder, like, who is on our other side? What is it about the other side that maybe we might be fearful of of stepping into what God has for us? The other side is a vantage point where our perspective completely shifts. See, short of shore, it completely looked different, Right? I'm standing on the eastern or western shores looking over. It could look like anything to me. I would not want to go over there. God's using me over here. I'm good right here. Why would I want to go over there when there's plenty of opportunity right here for Jesus to use me, right? God could use me where I'm at, in my workplace or wherever, right? Why go over there? Why speak to them? There's plenty for me to do right here have you ever built up thinking about something like this like stepping out in faith have you ever built up a case or like a scenario in your head so much that like overdoing it making it seem like the step of faith is something far worse than it actually is or far more difficult than it actually is once we take that step we're like oh it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be maybe initially it was but then we see God's in it I don't know about you, I have so many times. I could build a case against anything. Why would I want to do this, God? No, you're doing this. You're using me here. There's so much going on, but then all of a sudden, like, oh, okay, well, I go. I remember personally, back like 10 years ago, my one thing I was like, I'm never going on a missions trip. If God wants to use me, Mexico is cool because it's just south, I don't have to go far. And months later, I find myself in South Africa. The irony of it all. And I was so against it. I was like, no, 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 God, I'll, I'm good. If you want to use me, totally cool. Use me here. Use me at home or use me here in Mexico. Like it's easier for me to get to. It's more convenient for me. And then I end up boarding a plane for 23 hours to go to South Africa. Changed my life. 2018, we've been talking a lot about the banner over this year, we believe is yes and amen. Yes and amen to God and all of his promises. Yes and amen to God and all of his plans for us. Who we are, who God is, us making a declaration over our year. God, I'm saying yes and amen daily to all that you have for me. But can I tell you a little disclaimer? yes and amen, more than likely is going to require us to go to the other side and step out of our comfort zone. So why, right? Why why do we need to do this? Why do we do this? Why would we want to do this? Besides obvious, right? Jesus goes, he leads, we follow, I suppose. But that would be the obvious. But there's importance and significance in us taking these steps. I'm going to give you a few points on why we would do this. Number one, our revelation demands it. Our revelation relies on us stepping out and going to the other side. See, it wasn't until they got in that boat and they went to the other side that those disciples experienced that Jesus wasn't just a prophet or a good teacher, that he was God. It was on that very boat when the storm came that Jesus calmed the waves in the storm and calmed the storm in their hearts. It was on that very boat that once they got off of that boat, in the land of people that they're unfamiliar with, that they ran into a man who's being tormented by multiple evil spirits for a long time. People had tried, tried chaining him up to no avail. They tried dealing with him. No one knew how to deal with this man. And Jesus delivers him from being tormented. Their revelation completely changed something shifted for them. They got on that boat and they went across that other side. The revelation of who Jesus was was night and day different. When we go to the other side, when we step out, family, we're setting ourselves up to see God move in a miraculous way. Number two, our growth and our enlargement of our capacity actually requires it. Ouch. Stepping in faith, right? No stretch, no growth. As much as we hate to acknowledge that and say it, if there's no stretch in it, there's no growth. Jesus was tired from preaching all day. Imagine that. Not just all day. He was preaching, you know, he was telling about the parables, the kingdom of heaven. But then on top of that, his own family accused him and said he's lost his mind. This is right before this happens. They come around and all the religious teachers of the law and the religious leaders come around and they're like, yeah, he might be doing miracles, but it's through the devil. He's filled with an evil spirit. That's what this guy is doing. That's how he's doing this. And then his family comes around and instead of being supportive and they're like, yeah, for real, he's lost his mind, man. I don't know who this guy is and he still goes on teaching. In fact, he tells him at the end of the day, he's like, let's go to the other side. And what scripture says, verse 36 says, just as he was in the boat, they took him along, just as he was. He didn't go home to pack a lunch or a dinner or a midnight snack. He didn't go home to get a coat or a blanket or anything. Jesus went just as he was. All of the disciples went just as they were. They didn't even prepare. They didn't pack anything. And the reason I tell us this is that talk about a stretch. He was exhausted. He fell asleep in the boat. But because of this boat, he had the opportunity to work miracles. When he came back, Right when he gets back, he makes a woman whole and heals her from an issue of blood that she had over 10 years. Immediately following that, he restores a little girl to life. What you would think would be one of his weakest points and most exhausting moments, he went to the other side to enlarge in his capacity and his disciples' You with me? Side note for you. This one's for free. Jesus knows what it's like to do life tired. In fact, he knows what it's like to be tired from doing things for God. Number three. Why? Family, our calling warrants it. Our calling warrants it. We need to go to the other side. In Mark chapter 1, verse 38, Jesus says, He says, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there. That is why I've come to preach the gospel, the good news, the kingdom of heaven. That's why He's come. I think we carry that same message we carry that message of hope. It's in us. But it's our choice what we're going to do with that. Matthew twenty eight eighteen. Jesus kind of shifts the perspective and he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the end of time. In other words, known as the Great Commission. So Jesus says, go and disciple all nations, right? All nations. Not just one nation. Not just the nations that we might think are favorable or that we don't mind traveling to. All nations. It hits a little close to home, especially with everything going on in the news, right? Right? We've all seen all the headlines and what politicians may or may have not said about other countries. But if I read Scripture right, it looks like God wants us to go everywhere. God wants us to speak to all people. In fact, I love the way the psalmist David, King David, puts it in Psalms 24.1. And hope you can hear all of this. It's a, he's very simple and straightforward. He says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world, and hold on, and all who live in it. All is God's. All are children of God. So it's not fine if we prioritize who who we think needs to hear the gospel and who doesn't. Or who's further away and who's not. Who's going to be much more difficult for us to reach and who's not? It has nothing to do with that. Jesus said, go out and disciple all of the nations because all of the people are mine. Yeah. All of the world is his. All of it is his. Everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everybody. That's pretty heavy. Are you guys with me? All? Everyone's still with me? Good? Good? Okay. How about I give you three practical steps on how to get there to the other side? Does that sound good? Number one, we need to make daily choices. A lot of ways this is yes and amen each day. We need to make a daily choice. God, whatever you have for me in this day, I'm saying yes to you. If you're calling me to speak to somebody today, to love on somebody today, I'm going to say yes and amen. Immediately I thought back of this story of um, for myself when I was in Australia and I first went out there for Bible college and I started to serve on one of the services because as a as a student you serve on two services and you sit in another service to receive. So one of my services that I served on was the Saturday night service. And I was all for it. I was pumped, I was like, oh yeah, the night service, like the lights are darker, you know, the the lights are darker, smoke machine's on, all the cool like strobe lighting's going on, it's like a big party. And then my leaders at the time said, okay, great, well, um, because it's Saturday night and it's a a little less, we have a a home that's nearby, which helps men get reacclimated into culture and society. So it's like a halfway house. So these men have had a tough go, wherever it be, for whatever reason, right? And maybe they're on the streets, maybe it's whatever, maybe they got in trouble with the law, whatever it could be. Well, this is the one service that they're allowed to come to. If, if they wanna come, what they do is we provide a van, bring them to church, they sit together, and then they go back to this place. Well Craig, we want you to look after them. Like, okay, look after them. They're like, well, we want you to host them and get to, to know them and sit with them. I'm like, all right. Okay, God, I'm in Bible college. I'll do this. But, like, I'd rather sit with my friends and people that I know. So, Saturday after Saturday, I had to make this choice. I had to make this choice to show up. First of all, but not just show up, but to say, all right, God, I'm here. Go ahead and use me. Might I add, I'm quite introverted too, so the last thing I wanted to do was greet people, especially people I had no clue who they were. So actually the first three Sundays were, Saturday, excuse me, were cool in my eyes because they never showed up. Like, this is easy. I could focus in on other stuff. And then the Saturday evening came and it was about an hour before the service when this van pulls up to the side. And they all kind of file out and I'm looking at them am thinking, I, I have nothing in common with these guys. And they're probably looking at me thinking the same. Like who's this American that's like acting all excited to greet me at church like waiting off on the side. That was really awkward for me. I just kept thinking, I'm like, how am I going to relate to them? What am I going to do? They don't want anything to do with me. And I don't know what these guys have been through. I had to make a choice daily to show up, to be there, to not just be there and, hey guys, wave at them, to be intentional. Your second point. We need to commit to daily change. Commit to making changes daily. Better yet, resolve to make changes. And if you're anything like me, I hear that initially, and I think, oh gosh, that's, that's a lot. Making changes are big. There's big changes I want to make in my, my world, but can I take some of the pressure off you and tell you it's literally, it's bit by bit, step by step little decision by little decision, little change by little change. Like without those little changes, you're never gonna see the big changes and they're never going to be sustainable. So resolve to make these changes daily. Me, Saturdays, them coming up, having to pump myself up, like walking down the street to church, trying to get all hyped up. I'm like my own hype man thinking, you got this, you're gonna do this today gonna love on these guys and it's gonna be amazing and like weeks go by and it's still so awkward for both of us like hey oh yeah hey mate and we're just standing there I'm like so it's hot outside (laughs) (laughs) like church (laughs) and it was just really awkward and one of the guys in particular was massive he was like six foot six no joke six six but he weighed at least like 260 pounds We'll call him Dave, for sake of example. See, when Dave came in, he was very quiet. He was off on the side. I was actually kind of scared of Dave. Massive, huge beard, bald head. And he just kind of grunt. He was like, uh. (laughs) And I went to shake Dave's hand, and Dave's hand literally, like, his hand swallowed my hand up. And I don't think I have the smallest hands in the world either. Completely swallowed my hand up. Like, all right, how is this going to work, God? And then we'd go inside and it would be way easier for me to sit with my friends in these services. Sit around other people I knew. But there I was, sitting in the back with this crew. We all looked different. Especially this crew in the back. They all had their own bus that they came in on, left in. But these daily changes that I committed to making that I was always going to be there, and I was like, God, I need you to do this because I, I suck at it. I'm really struggling. So I just kept showing up. Kept showing up. Kept making changes, little by little. I was like, okay, what I could do, if there's anything I could do, I could find out if they drink coffee or tea or hot chocolate, and I could at least buy them one. Why not? Why not? Or I could find out what their favorite cafe is. I could try and get them something for the week. Or I could find out if they have a Bible, maybe, and I could get them a Bible. Like, I could do little things. So I was taking these little steps, trying to get to know each and every one of these guys. But Dave, in particular, is one that I continue to find myself around. Came to a point that Dave actually started showing up even earlier to help me set up. And now I'd have a biscuit <laughs> and a hot chocolate waiting from every Sunday or Saturday. It was those little changes that allowed me to make the bigger ones and see the greater impact in that relationship. Your final point though I'm going to give you this morning is, we need to maintain daily courage. Mm-hmm. We can't do that without God. right? We need to maintain daily courage. See, without courage, we can fall into complacency. Or with like most of us, we don't fall into complacency, we kinda just slip into complacency. Without courage, that happens. You go from being complacent to comfortable. Once we hit that place of comfort, Kiss growth, goodbye. Kiss the bearing of fruit, goodbye. God is the God of harvest, but we're a little too comfortable for God to move through us or do anything through us, so. Barren fields, not going to see anything. Maintain daily courage. I'm sure some of you hear me and you're thinking, you are not introverted at all. But those of you that are close to us know I just want to run in a corner at times and just be by myself, all by myself. So Saturdays would roll around and they they actually started to get a little easier, but they never became easy. Inside still, I, was, I felt so awkward and I'm like, this is not me. It feels so produced. I'm going out of my way to talk to these guys and it's such a strain and I'm sure that they feel awkward in this awkward kind of vibe between us. But Dave kept coming on Saturdays, kept coming earlier. In fact, he started to beat me to church and he'd already have his biscuit and his, his hot chocolate waiting and he'd be sitting on one of the tables waiting for me. And then he asked me, me, I'm going to get you a coffee this week. So David would always have the coffee ready for me. I'm going to do my best, you guys, to tell the rest of the story to you. We don't always get to experience the fruit of stepping out and going to the other side. We have to kind of trust the process. A lot of times it's like the parable of the growing seed that Jesus spoke of. He said, whether the man wakes or whether he sleeps, the seed that's planted still continues to grow. So we don't know what's going on sometimes. Sometimes we step out to the other side and it's massive for us. It takes a lot and it's a big step of faith. And sometimes we don't see any fruit and we get really discouraged. But then we need to just go back to making that choice every day. And committing to change. And relying on God for courage. So Saturdays are around and we start serving together. And Dave actually starts to rally some of the other crew around. The guys that come with him and they start serving with us. We're like the setup team. All the big guys, they're like all way bigger than me. And so what I started to do, it was still a struggle, but I started to meet up with them earlier on Saturday one by one, and I would take them to lunch at a cafe nearby just to hear their story. So this big, massive man, burly guy with the massive hands and the beard and just grunted, and a lot of times he'd just kind of look at me and give me a nod. Started to tell me some of the heartache that he had experienced in life. Shared with me how he once again wanted to be reunited with his daughter that he hadn't seen in years. I remember one time too, he got really sick. He didn't show up for like two months. Found out that he was in the hospital, something bad happened. I think he got in a fight with one of the guys as well at at the uh, the house. So I did what I could do. What's What's the change? I'll reach out. Reached out. Went to the store, bought him his favorite biscuits, and brought him his biscuits. Stayed in his world, and it was such a struggle still. Like, it was so difficult for me. I can't communicate to you guys, like, how hard it actually was. It wasn't, like, natural for me to want to do this all the time. I had school, and I had my friends, and I had everything else. But then I was like, God, there's something different in this. You're bringing me on a journey. During the summer months, I remember walking into that auditorium, and it was so nice and cool because it was so hot outside. And during the end of that worship service, here I am standing next to this massive dude who makes me look like an elf next to him. And we walked through that service. It wasn't until this week when I'm preparing for the sermon that I realized I wasn't just walking through a service, in that worship service. I was walking with Dave to the other side. In that very moment, I got to accompany this man who I came to get to know. I was blessed with the opportunity to walk into this water and see this man baptized. He was a new man. Came up out of that water, and I remember the the smile on his face, and I was obviously crying. (laughs) The smile on his face, and he just said, thank you. I had no clue what was going on in that moment, not until hindsight, and now I'm like, God, I literally, that was me going to the other side. And you've given me a glimpse, even though I didn't deserve it, you gave me a glimpse of what can happen when we do that. So if there's anything I could leave you with today, and for 2018, to encourage you to step over that other side. And obviously besides, you know, making those daily choices, committing to making daily changes as well. Maintain daily courage, family. Because God's in it. Excuse me. See the beauty in this when Jesus commissions us to continue his work. His commissioning is coupled with his companionship. He doesn't commission, commission you and just leave you to be. It's coupled with his companionship. As he told us, he will be with us always. And his plan is always accompanied by his presence. So as you step into this year, I'm believing that for all of us, this will be a year marked by not only God's presence and a banner over this year would be, yes and amen, God, to all that you have for us. Yes and amen to who I am. But it's also, yes and amen, God, I will go at the edges of this earth or the edges of my work and I will share your love with somebody. I will share the gospel with people. Can I invite the worship team up? Sorry, Lee. It's like an obstacle course for Lee I'm doing. As we worship together, as you think about this message today, it's crazy how literally like we camped in one verse. I pray that this is going to be a year that God is going to speak to you all in new and fresh ways. That this will be a year of going to the other side, whatever that looks like for you. In Micah 6, verse 8, Micah says, he says, He has shown you, O man and woman, O person, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. May 2018 be a year of you walking humbly with your God in those things.